everyone to Thoughts and Tea. I'm your host, Lori Lee. I want to thank everyone who listened to last week's show on sisterhood. Um, You shared so many great comments and different perspectives with me, and a few listeners actually reached out to let me know that they completed the challenge for the week uh, by reaching out to their sisters to let them know how much they were appreciated. So, So thank you. It's important that we make the time, you know, to celebrate and appreciate the love that's around us especially after a week like the one we just had. As I mentioned at the end of last week's show, today we are discussing the Black man. And again, after a week like the one we've just had, that subject seems so vital. My emotions, I'm sure, like many of you, have been all over the place. I've been sad, hurt, angry, furious, overwhelmed, anxious, hopeless, and and sometimes hopeful. I feel that it's imperative that we check in with ourselves and really acknowledge all of the things that we are feeling. Racism has always been very real and very present in our lives. Whether it has been through a blatant, in-your-face personal experience struggling with the systems that have been put in place or dealing with the subtle and underhanded racism in corporate America. It's ever present. But smartphones and social media have given us the ability to see it so vividly and in real time. We've all been watching these videos at the same time. Watching a man die. Watching a man as he is being murdered pleading for his life, begging to be able to breathe is not something you can unsee. Once you've seen it, it is ingrained in your mind and we don't have the power. Our brains don't have the power to just file that away. We can't. We can't accept that. We can't compute that. You know, we, we can't pretend. We just, we can't be okay. Even if you try to put it aside, you can't. Our timelines are flooded with the video, with images from the video, with commentary on the video. Sometimes those comments make you cry. Sometimes they make you angry. Some comments make you wonder what the world is coming to. And then we get tired. We start to feel numb. And then you come across someone's clear and well-spoken thoughts, something that speaks directly to your heart, and you start the process all over again. It's this roller coaster of pain and harsh reality and sadness and disgust and anger and hope. And that's a lot to go through, especially when we're all in the midst of this global pandemic. I'm always shocked and confused when people claim that racism no longer exists or it's not as bad as it used to be. Saying that it's not there, that it doesn't exist, is like saying there's no sun. It's there every day, doing its job. Sometimes it just, it it burns so brightly that we have to look for cover, and other times it's hidden by clouds. But it's always there always doing what it's meant to do, 
racism, you know, especially here in America, it's just built in. As a white person, you don't necessarily have to make an effort to make a racist remark for there to be racism. The system has just been built for you. I have so I have uh, you know so many white friends and they would never use that word they don't think it they're not built that way but the system was built for you so if you think that just because you don't use the n word racism isn't there that's that's laughable I mean really just because your favorite athlete is black or you've got a few black friends, or you love Beyonce, or you listen to rap music, doesn't mean that, unfortunately, you you don't participate in and benefit from a racist system every day. I came across this great quote by Scott Woods this weekend. He said, the problem is that white people see racism as conscious hate, when racism is bigger than that. Racism is a complex system of social and political levers and pulleys set up generations ago to continue working on the behalf of whites at other people's expense, whether whites know it, like it or not. Racism is an insidious culture disease. It is so insidious that it doesn't care if you are a white person who likes black people it's still going to find a way to infect how you deal with people who don't look like you. Yes, racism looks like hate, but hate is just one manifestation. Privilege is another. Access is another. Ignorance is another. Apathy is another, and so on. So while I agree with people who say no one is born racist, It remains a powerful system that we are immediately born into. It's like being born into air. You take it in as soon as you breathe. It's not a cold that you can just get over. There is no anti-racist certification class. It's a set of socioeconomic traps and cultural values that are fired up every time we interact with the world. It is a thing you have to keep scooping out of the boat of your life to keep from drowning in it. I know it's hard work, but it's the price you pay for owning everything. I read that this weekend and just thought, this is, this is so powerful. Let's take a look at what happened here in New York last Monday. Amy Cooper was so upset that a black man would call out that she was breaking the rules and needed to follow them. Put the leash back on her dog. In a designated area in Central Park where there are signs clearly stating that you have to leash your dog. There's, there's just something about the kind of superiority that one must feel to not only think that the rules don't apply to them, but to also be so infuriated with the idea that a person who they consider to be less than would dare call them out. You know, it's, it's funny. I, can, I can't even count how many times I've heard, you know, my fellow New Yorkers that are white say that racism isn't really as big here. You know, we're not in the South. It's not that bad. 
for the most part, people in New York are liberals, were, were Democrats. Well, this seemingly liberal Democrat, Amy Cooper, knew instantly what to do to best a man who was calling her out. Right away, her instinct was to say, I'm going to call the police and say there is an African-American man threatening me and my dog. Now, she didn't use the N-word, but you can't tell me that the instinct to use the police as a weapon isn't racism. This woman, who they say apparently voted for Obama, knew that no matter what the reality was, if she called the police pretending to be scared or, or even terrified as she told them that a black man was threatening her, the odds would just be in her favor. She knew that as a black man, the thought of having the police called on him would be just as terrifying to Chris Cooper as if she had pulled a gun out on him herself. You can't ignore the racism there. This woman grew up seeing in real life and on the screen that the police are here to protect and defend her above all else, especially from the scary black men lurking around every corner. Our black men, our beautiful black men. You can't help but think about the number of times this has happened where there wasn't a video available to quickly and successfully exonerate a black man. We are expected to see something like this and then just go about our day. And in many cases we do. As James Baldwin said, to be a Negro in this country and to be relatively conscious is to be in a rage almost all the time. We are so used to waking up, being productive, taking care of our loved ones, paying our bills, and going to sleep all while being in a state of rage over the atrocities that are done to us and people who look like us every day. It's, ex it's exhausting. I just, that, that alone gives white people a leg up. Whether you feel you're racist or not, you just don't have this kind of weight on your shoulders. I'm grateful for all of the comments that were sent for today's show, and I, I want to try to share as many of them in their entirety with you as possible. It is really important to me that I hear and share words that came directly from Black men. I want to take this opportunity to lift them up, to hear them, and to celebrate them. As a Black woman, that's my duty. I want to start with one of my best friends, Omar, who is from Florida, but currently living in LA. We've been close for as long as I can remember. So I've had the opportunity to hear him, support him and watch him grow. Omar said, as a black man, I feel that I have to outwork all of my counterparts in order to be treated equally. I feel that my voice is unheard. Because when you talk to most white people about how black people are treated, they automatically look at you as an angry black man, when all you're doing is explaining how your life isn't as valued as theirs. The first time I had a gun pointed at my head, 
I was 17. And it was by a police officer who, for whatever reason, thought I was robbing my own house. He threatened to kill me multiple times, and it traumatized me. And now, at the age of 37, this is still happening to me. 20 years later, I found myself again on the floor with multiple guns to my head on my way home from work. This time, they thought I stole my own car. So for those who really don't understand, every time a Black man leaves the house, it's a blessing for him to come home. We have to ask our non-Black friends and colleagues to really try and understand what this means. I mean, Omar's quote is so powerful to me. Do you understand what it means to deal with that fear? You don't live in a world where your skin color makes you a target for violence, hate, and false accusations. You don't have to try to thrive in a country that has created so many barriers for you. Barriers to success, barriers to healthcare, barriers to promotions, barriers to education, barriers to home ownership, barriers to freedom, barriers to simply breathing. But that's our magic, right? That's why they are so frightened by us. That's why they try so hard to shake us and break us down because we are magic. Black men are magic. They have the ability to face their fears every day. They have the strength and the courage that it takes to follow their dreams and believe in themselves, despite society trying to make them feel that they are not capable. Our Black men have the audacity to excel in areas that are purposefully kept from them. Omar is a successful producer. His life could have ended that day 20 years ago. It could have been over for him at 17. Without him in the world now, we wouldn't have Quiet Storm, the Ron Artest story, an amazing documentary released in 2019 on, on Showtime that shows us how a Black man living in the public eye and struggling with a mental health disorder was able to find success and overcome adversity. If you haven't seen it, please go watch it. And do me this favor, when the credits roll and you see Omar's name as one of the executive producers, remember that because some officers saw no value in his life, he could have been killed 20 years before ever having an opportunity to make this film happen. The fact that his many experiences with the police did not deter him from his goals is incredible. It is magic. What do we call the things we can't understand or explain? Magic. Think about it. There's, there is something God-given, a strength passed down from our ancestors that gives Black men the capacity to prosper and shine, to surpass the limitations that are imposed on them. This this goal, racism, it's to create such a sense of fear, insecurity, and minimal self-worth in our Black men that they stop trying to live, that they accept that they are not meant to thrive, 
find happiness, build strong families who love each other and love themselves. That's the goal. The people who put these systems in place, I mean, if they are afraid of losing their place, which they believe is at the top of the food chain, they have to stomp on us. They put their knees on our necks so that we can live only in this small box that they've outlined for us. I think about my dad, my father, who has had a 30 plus year successful career, fighting through barriers, breaking down walls that were created to hold him back, all while providing for his family, coming home to us every day, checking his anger and disappointment at the door so that he could be there for us love us, support us, and most importantly, teach us how to survive in a world that doesn't love us back, that doesn't value us. The murder of George Floyd forces the world to acknowledge the terror that we as Black people, specifically Black men, live with every day. Stefan from Toronto said, feeling super emotional about everything that is happening right now. I'm feeling sad, scared, and frankly depressed that no matter my accomplishments, no matter how upstanding I can be, no matter how much I try to do the right thing every day, cops and authorities just see me as another Black man, and just like that, my life can be over. It's sad to say, but it makes me feel justified and safe that I didn't have children in this messed up world. I couldn't concentrate today, but I had to find a way. Can't really call my bosses and explain to them that these shootings and lynchings have me feeling unbalanced and in need of time for myself. I parallel this to COVID and how people needed mental health support to get through it. Black men and women need mental health support for this too. Every morning I'm bombarded with pictures and videos of men who look like me dying or getting arrested for no reason. I'm a super positive person, but all these events are shaking me to my core. Thank you so much for sharing that, Stefan. I mean, you know, you highlight something really important there, the need for support the need for time to process all this madness. People are angry, and rightfully so. You can't see all of this and keep it all in without feeling like you are going to bust at the seams at any moment. To those people watching what's happening, seeing the anger, do not criticize what you don't understand. You may not get it. You don't see the reason for protests and riots. It's because you don't understand. Instead of shaming it, try to understand it. Imagine seeing your people, your son, your brother, your father, your husband, flat on the ground, being murdered by someone who looks so confident and comfortable in his hatred. Imagine it. If you can't, imagine that this is being forced on you no matter what. Imagine that you have no choice but to accept that this is your reality. Now let the weight of that suffocate you. 
Let the fear and the sadness of that sink in. Notice as it turns into anger. And notice that anger coursing through your body, boiling over, and with each pump of your pulse, you begin to feel a rage that becomes all-consuming. That is what's at the core of the Black man sitting right next to you. That is what is fueling the people who are taking to the streets. If you, if you aren't saddened by this continuous loss of life, just try putting yourself in their shoes, in our shoes. People are asking what they can do. Show support. Just show support. Understand that your colleague, your neighbor is hurting, and they need time to process all that has happened. Black men are human. Clearly, there are many who believe that they are animals to be feared and caged. But they are human. To me, at times, superhuman. But in fact, they are just human. Feeling and bleeding humans. Aaron from Manhattan said, I feel overwhelmed. The emotions I feel are far from reproach because of the horrors that are legit my reality right now. Our reality. I have to exist in a world that tells me that I don't see what I see, don't feel what I feel for myself and my people. Black men should be treated as just that. Men. People. Period. We have faults like the next man and have successes and feelings like any other human. From our sisters, we just need love. That is more than enough. A lot of men have been hurt and in turn hurt the only being, the queen, black woman herself, because of their own personal traumas that they've never dealt with or tried to heal from. The male ego is something else. We need to formalize a plan, a plan that doesn't lead to more lives lost over lives being saved. I'm hurt. I'm confused. I'm angry. Thank you for sharing that with us, Aaron. There's this really strange dichotomy in how black men are viewed by society. On one hand, there's this belief that they are less than their lives don't matter. They are thugs. They are not capable of being contributing members of society. They are angry. They are violent. And when you see them, shoot first, ask questions later, you'll be better off. But then on the flip side, they're also viewed as talented, revered for their athletic abilities, their determination, persistence at attaining greatness. How confusing is that? You're quick to kill them and accuse them, but you love to watch them play football. And you expect them to keep their thoughts and feelings about how racism impacts them out of your favorite sport. If that's not part of the game, don't say anything that's not part of the game. Is that real? They are telling us that they do not see black men as human. Regardless of the amount of fans you've you've amassed, you need to remember that you are just entertainment. You're not allowed to feel, and if you do, don't you dare talk about it. 
Laura Ingram, um, who is a Fox News journalist, told LeBron James to shut up and dribble instead of talking about politics. She said she doesn't want to hear what someone who gets paid $100 million a year to bounce a ball has to say about politics. Now, this was in response to uh, an interview that LeBron James had done on ESPN where he discussed uh, what it's like to be black and in the public eye in America. And at that time, he and his family were wrapping their heads around the fact that despite being one of the most celebrated athletes of all time, he came home to the N-word spray-painted on his house. So if a Black man can't speak on his experiences in our country, who can? Are we supposed to allow people who don't look like us to tell our stories? To tell us how to feel? I mean, I'm so confused by this. In this interview, LeBron went on to say that some of the current president's comments were laughable and scary, and that as the appointed leader of our nation, he fails to understand the people. What about that is invalid because he's an athlete? The truth is that any Black man, regardless of his level of success, number of accomplishments, or amount of money he has in the bank, is often told to shut up and stop being so angry. How do we feel about men who've attacked or belittled women who've come out in the Me Too movement? We think it's wrong. We think it's outrageous to shame or blame the victim. So why isn't that the same here? Why is it so hard for people to show support and compassion to a people who have been brutalized, stepped on, and killed? At the end of the day, LeBron is a black man who feels and hurts. And he may look superhuman to you on the court, but he's not. And we have to give him and all black men the space to express themselves. When we look at how the mental health of the black man has gone unaddressed for so long, we have to realize that this is not by accident. Can our white friends and colleagues take a real look at themselves and ask what their lives would be like if they weren't given the space to express themselves, to acknowledge their feelings and grow from their pain? It's like anything, you know, when you, you keep so much pain and energy bottled up, eventually it's going to burst. It's going to blow, erupt like a volcano, destroying things around it. But do you not take responsibility for being the people who put the cap on in the first place? Now you're mad because you can't ignore it and it's affecting your life and your pockets? Your way of life has been affecting black men, black people, for over 400 years. That has to be acknowledged. It has to be heard and dealt with for all of humanity to be able to prosper and move forward. Michael Rosenberg wrote an article for Sports Illustrated within the last couple of days um, titled, What Do You Think of Colin Kaepernick Now? Four years ago, Colin took a knee. 
He took a knee as a silent protest against police brutality and systemic racism, and he lost his career over it. While trying to be a voice for Black Americans, he was seen as un-American by white America. But we are here too. We are a part of America too. We helped build America. But no, speaking up for Black people and the injustice they face was somehow un-American. Because he stood for something. This once celebrated athlete remains a free agent today. And that's the trick, right? That's how you keep those black men in line. The fact that this man's career is over is basically the NFL owner's way of telling all the little black boys out there, we'll let you play. We'll even pay you really well as long as you don't say a word. Keep your thoughts about how you're being treated to yourself. Keep us entertained and we'll keep giving you money to take care of yourself and your loved ones. My brother, Ari said, I find it difficult to be a black man in this day and age between keeping my head on a swivel, knowing that my size, weight, height, and skin alone can have people form an opinion of me that I would be violent even though I'm one of the nicest people I know. Knowing that I'm going to be at a disadvantage overall just because I'm Black is disheartening, but I can't let that stop me. This week has shaken me to the core because I've tried to escape it. I tried to escape the anger, but I can't get away from it. When I see the last three deaths, all I think of is that could have been me or someone I love, and it's terrifying. Till this day, I haven't been able to watch the videos of the murders of Ahmaud Arbery or George Floyd. I'm afraid to, because I know it will scar me in a way that I won't be able to repair. You know, I read this quote from my brother and it kills me. That's my little brother my heart, a human being who deserves to live and love and laugh, and I can't do anything. I can't fix it. My mom can't fix it. My dad can't fix it. My sister can't fix it. When he goes out into the world, we all have to live with the fear that a police officer who doesn't know him or a white woman in the park who's never heard him laugh will see him as a threat. And just like that, in an instant, he could be taken from us. How can we continue to go on living in this constant state of fear? It's just wrong. So much of what is wrong in our world today comes from a lack of communication, a lack of understanding from one another. When I was in college, I was fortunate to be paired with a white woman in the dorms my sophomore year. And, you know, we came from two very different worlds. I am a first generation Haitian American born and raised in New York. 
and she's a white woman of Irish descent from Cleveland, Ohio. But she became one of my very best friends. Today, 20 years later, she's one of the people I can rely on. She supports me as I support her. Our relationship happened because we both wanted to truly know each other. We were open to each other's viewpoints. And, you know, I, I don't pretend to have any answers, but I think communication and hearing each other out is a great starting point. There's so much about Black life, Black culture, the Black man that deserves to be celebrated. You can't love their swagger, their talent, contributions to medicine, art, music, sports, literature, fashion, and then hate them at the same time. It just doesn't make sense. So often we see Black culture being appropriated, but when it matters most, the Black people who created this culture the black men who are leaders in this culture and that are being treated as inhuman, you just look away. And I know it's not everyone. You know, it gives me so much hope to see white people marching hand in hand with people of color. So those of you who are white and who are supportive, I ask you not to be offended by what I'm saying and to really hear me. To really hear me. Because the truth is, George Floyd would not be dead if racism wasn't a problem. Philando Castile, Michael Brown, Eric Garner, Tamir Rice, Atatiana Jefferson, Breonna Taylor, Trayvon Martin, Sandra Bland, Alton Sterling, and so many others would still be alive today if it wasn't for racism. So you have to acknowledge it. Kevin from upstate New York said, this whole situation just highlights that black men are only celebrated in this country when they are entertaining white people. Anything more than that, and you are a threat. And your education or socioeconomic status means nothing. It makes you want to leave this country immediately and find a new home where you can be accepted and live your life without the fear of some insecure individual causing you bodily harm based on the degree of melanin you have in your skin. Thank you for sharing that with us, Kevin. What you said is so true. You know, like many of you, I spent the last five Sundays watching The Last Dance. For those of you who don't know, The Last Dance is an ESPN and Netflix um, 10-part docuseries on Michael Jordan specifically following that 97-98 NBA season um, when the Chicago Bulls were fighting for their sixth championship title in eight, I don't know if it's nine, I think it's eight, eight seasons. Averaging 5.6 million viewers per episode and an additional 13 million viewers per episode on demand. As a basketball fan, this doc really struck me. Firstly, because I didn't get into basketball until the 2000s. So while I've always known that MJ is the greatest player of all time, I didn't really witness it firsthand. So I was excited and ready to sit and watch all this greatness. 
And here is this black man doing things that seem impossible, actually flying. He's competitive, smart, strong, determined, hardworking, and unwavering in his quest to win. I mean, I really feel like many of us, if not all of us, can say that Michael Jordan is a winner by definition. The greatest. At the height of his career, he was the most famous athlete in the world and one of the most recognizable faces globally. A black man. With all the difficulty that comes with being black, he somehow made it to the top. You can't argue that. It's a fact. All of the things and systems that were put in place to keep him down, he was able to break through it all. You had kids all around the world lining up to buy his shoes, hoping to get an autograph, running around singing, I want to be like Mike. How does that happen? It's not luck. And it's definitely not just God-given talent, because a lot of us are born with talent. It takes courage and tenacity. But what we have to understand is that Michael Jordan is not the exception. You can't just take him. It's in all of us. Every black man has the ability to be something great. If you choose to celebrate MJ, don't ignore the black man on your team who has been killing it and deserves that promotion. You can't pick and choose. Like any other race, there are people who do good things and people who do bad things. After watching the last eight minutes and 46 seconds of George Floyd's life, seeing Derek Chauvin with his knee on his neck, should I now be terrified of all white men? Should I be afraid to go to work and sit in a room with my white male colleagues? No, you don't think so? But that's what you do. That's what you do when you put your hand on your gun before the black man in front of you has had a chance to say a word. That's what you do when you clutch your purse because there's a black man walking in your direction. I mean, another thing that really got me thinking after watching this doc is the obsession with putting black men on a pedestal and then jumping at the chance to knock them down. With all the love and praise that Michael Jordan received, the media was always looking for a reason to hate him. And how often do we see that? So many black men are praised and revered and, oh my God, they're just amazing. Did you see that? Oh my God, did you see what he did? And the second it looks like they might, and I mean, I put an emphasis on looks like, they might have done something wrong. It's like seeing a kid in the candy store. They take pleasure in it. They revel in it. Black men are torn apart before anyone even has a chance to see if this thing is even true or false. Because of this, I think it's so important that we as black women support our black men. 
that's why people were so angry when Gail King made those comments about Kobe Bryant after his passing. Here is a man who was an incredible talent, so accomplished, a loving husband and father, taken away from us too soon. And as we sit here in mourning, you want to shine a light on the lowest point in his life? Something that was never proven? I say this again. As Black women, it is our duty to lift our men up. I'm not saying to ignore the things that they do wrong, but I'm saying not to join the group of people who are trying to tear them down. A few years ago, um, 2016, a Black actor, Nate Parker, released his film, Birth of a Nation, at Sundance. And the film received rave reviews. I read that they gave him a standing ovation before the movie even started, just because of all the buzz that had been created from the people who had seen it. The distribution was record-breaking. This deal he got, $17.5 million. And this film was based on the story of Nat Turner, the enslaved man who led a slave rebellion. Something that was really important for us to see, a perspective that we had not seen yet in film. Everyone was buzzing about it, how good it was. But prior to its much anticipated wide release in October of the same year, the buzz around the film had changed. Somehow the narrative became about an incident that took place in 1999 where Nate Parker was accused of rape. In 2001, he was found innocent at his trial, not guilty, cleared of all charges. But yet he found himself on a press tour explaining the situation and telling people that he was innocent and found innocent. But it didn't matter. This great piece of work that he created was doomed before it even made it to theaters. The film was considered a financial disappointment after all this buzz that had been created initially. A few months later, at the 2017 Oscars, Casey Affleck won the Best Actor Award for his performance in a film called Manchester by the Sea. This was after sexual harassment and sexual misconduct allegations against him had surfaced from 2010. But that didn't stop a thing. He won. He won the biggest award in the land of movies. Do you see the difference here? Nate Parker was found not guilty, but it didn't matter. Who was this black man thinking he could come in here and start making record-breaking deals? Let's knock him down a step or two. Unfair isn't an accurate word to describe the gap in acceptable standards between black men and white men. A 
black man has got to be clean as a whistle, not even a glimmer of impropriety in order to have a chance at making it. We all need to do better. Daniel from Boston said, my thoughts bounced around a bit from appreciation for the support the black community has received from the world to anger for those who don't understand or worse complain about how the protests are reaching these levels. My close friends that treat me like family, but still support Trump blindly, putting quote unquote America before basic human rights. It hurts not only to watch, but to think deep down how and when will this, <laughs> this systematic behavior change? Not just with policing, but healthcare, workplace politics, or something as simple as sharing public spaces. A black man shouldn't have to feel uncomfortable to make you comfortable. A black man shouldn't have to change what makes us who we are just to see the next day. The protests aren't a competition of white versus black. It's a proclamation of what's right versus what's wrong, good versus evil. A black man is loved by all when he's strong, charismatic, and trendsetting. But will you love a black man when he's strong and fighting for what he believes in? When he articulately speaks his mind for positive change, when he leads a revolution, it's one and the same. Thanks for sharing that, Dan. You know, if, if a black man has to not be himself in order to make you comfortable, you are part of the problem. If you are for the good of humanity, then we are on the same side here. Living in a world where black boys and men are killed for simply being black isn't good for your kids either. Open your eyes to the pain and the systematic destruction of our humanity. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's an uncomfortable conversation. And that's okay. You will make mistakes, and that's okay. But be supportive. Be open. Talk to your Black friends, your Black colleagues, your Black neighbors. Don't be silent. Your silence on days like this can feel violent. Hiding behind your screen. Typing indirect messages. That is violence today. Speak up for us too. Be our allies. You know, you can't just show up when it's cool. You can't sit front row singing Beyonce's lyrics at the top of your lungs and then stay quiet when people who look like her are being killed.
And it's not just in those extreme situations. It's in everyday life. When the black guy on your team is being ignored by your white client. When your white client assumes that you're the leader because you're white, instead of the black man on your team who has been leading the charge on their account, say something. When you walk into a room and the client immediately looks to you, the white person, to, to, to lead this conversation, to lead this meeting, and you know it's supposed to be led by the black man sitting next to you, say something. Don't accept that. Don't just sit by silently as that's happening. Don't look at your black colleague's face who's embarrassed and just go on with the meeting. Say something. I mean, yes, of course, we can stand up for ourselves, but the burden of teaching people that we are human and capable cannot just be on us. Say something. And if you don't want to say something, maybe you should return those season tickets. Maybe you should give back all those Jay-Z albums and Will Smith movies that you love. Because you can't have it both ways anymore. There is so much about Black people, about Black men that needs to be celebrated. Black men are intelligent, caring, strong, loving, kind, generous, well-spoken, talented, funny, and brave human beings. Their abilities are unmatched. There's a reason why black men make up 70% of the NFL or why 80.7% of NBA players are people of color. They're talented, right? They're talented. You love to watch them. It's time for you to start loving to watch them live. Thinking that it's okay because you supported that black film that one time or because you love this black singer is not enough. Do you care about his or her life when they go home, when they're not performing for you? That same thing that makes you love Kevin Hart is alive and strong in that 15-year-old black boy down the block. We're all people. We all deserve a chance to find happiness, achieve our goals, raise our families. The fact that some of us have black skin shouldn't be reason enough for our value to decrease in your eyes. It's not reason enough for you to be so frightened that you would kill us without a second thought. And I'm not going to say that you should look beyond our skin. Because I think that implies that there's something wrong with our skin, that you have to look past it somehow. That's not the case. Black skin is beautiful. And when you look at a black man, you should see all of the awesomeness that is within him as well as that beautiful color. 
there's a reason why we all don't look alike. There's a beauty in our differences, our different skin tones, our different races, our different backgrounds, our different experiences. We all need to embrace each other. So much positivity can come from communicating and learning from each other. Hatred and fear are the killers here. You have to let that go. You don't understand that this thing you're holding on to is suffocating black people all over the world. When I asked, you know, on social media how people were feeling and if they had anything they wanted me to share after the events of, of this past week, the overwhelming commonality among the women that I heard from is that they're afraid. They're afraid for the black men in their lives. They're afraid that they could easily go out one morning and never return. Their sons, their brothers, their boyfriends, their husbands, their fathers. It's not fair for us to live in that constant state of fear. I want to start to close today with a quote I received from a great friend of mine. Here's what he had to say. My name is Wes. I am a first-generation citizen of the United States whose parents emigrated to Newark, New Jersey from Ghana in the late 1960s. I'm a father to twin six-year-old daughters, husband to an amazing wife, Naomi. And I'm also a college graduate with no criminal record whatsoever. I'm 6'2", with a 270-pound athletic frame. I have a bald head and a full, well-groomed beard. I am very articulate. And in addition to starting my own company last year, I also work for a very successful consumer packaged goods company as a director of sales and business development. I'll be 38 years old in three days. And for roughly 25 of these 38 years, I have been subjected to countless racially motivated interactions with the police in America. Stop and frisk, illegal searches, traffic stop intimidation, and more. Without the support of strong Black women in my life, I'm not sure I would be here to tell the story. My mother refused to let me be afraid. She told me as a young boy that she would teach me to pray for protection, but she would also teach me to stand up for myself and fight back. She taught me to learn the law, inequitable as it may be, so that I don't fall prey to tricks by bad police. She understood that that could have dire repercussions, but the preservation of the greater good of Black people in America was and continues to be a greater priority than that of me alone. I accepted that, and I'm thankful for it. The lessons have led me to choosing a wife who also prays for my daily protection and encourages me to stand proud in the face of the many adversities Black men face in America. By far, the area where this matters the most is relative to my mental 
and emotional well-being as I navigate the PTSD caused by less than civil interactions with police, both overt and otherwise. The black woman, the black woman is truly the neck to my head. She provides direction, strength, and support as we navigate this life and these trying times together. My challenge to you is this. Can I say something? Sure. There are so many, there are countless messages here. And I guess um, someone said, I'm listening to the show. Racism burns bright every day. Somebody said, please make sure you say that Amy Cooper is from Canada and that she blended into the American system very quickly. Somebody said, my two sons are listening and one of them is sobbing while the other one is holding on. Somebody said, someone said that um, one replay is not enough and we want to hear more because we find we find strength in these words. So there are so many things that are being said and time is running, but and somebody said that you are doing a great job. So Thank go you. on. Go on. Thank you. I appreciate everybody's comments and I will definitely be reading through them and and getting back to each and every one of you. So I know our time is running out. So my challenge to you this week is this. Um, For black women, reach out to the black men in your life, even if you live with them and see them every day. Ask them how they are doing. Ask them how they are feeling. Give them the space to speak freely and hear them without judgment. So often they walk around with so much bottled up inside, trying to be strong for us, to put on a brave face for us. They need an opportunity to be hurt, to be angry, to be frustrated. So just listen. And when you are done listening, celebrate them. Tell them how how proud you are of the men that they are. Tell them you are in awe of how they are able to move through this world filled with racism and still find a way to make you smile. Tell them how amazed you are at all that they've accomplished. And for black men, take the time to be open with someone you trust. Put your mental health first, even if it's just for a day because we need you. We need you to be your best. We need you to be your best because that's the only way you will survive in today's environment. You can't be your best if you don't take care of yourself. You can't be your best if you can't let go sometimes. Tell that person that you trust, that you're strong, but you need them to carry all of this weight with you. Tell them you can't do it alone. Don't be too proud to ask for help. Ask for support and ask for love. And to our non-Black listeners, 
I challenge you to be an ally for a black person in your life. Be someone they can depend on. Be someone who doesn't just stand by silently and watch as another white person beats them down. Ask a black friend or colleague how they are feeling. Don't be afraid to say the wrong thing. Your support is needed. Your friendship is needed. We all have to work together to make things change. I got a really nice message today from an old colleague of mine. And I believe she's listening. And she said, I don't know if this is the wrong thing to say, but I just want you to know that I'm here for you and I'm listening and I'm doing what I can right now to make myself better and help and I will continue to do so. And I'm encouraging my friends and family to do the same. That meant a lot to me. It is very easy to just say, I don't know if I'm saying the right thing. I really don't know how to approach this, but I just want you to know that I see it. I see you. I hear you and I'm here. Sam from New Jersey said, I'm afraid this is going to set the tone for this summer. 30 million people unemployed, a pandemic that the federal government and many state governments have no real plan to control, and the usual police brutality. Combined with the heat, this won't bring anything positive. All these things are the ingredients for discord and bursts of violence. Of course, it's sad to see, but you reap what you sow. You can't subject Black people to constant state-sanctioned violence and harassment and not expect a reaction. So I say to you all who are listening today, this is a strange and dangerous time. We have to stand together if we want to see things improve. People turning a blind eye to this will lead to more havoc, more pain. At the end of the day, we all want to be happy and to be safe. We want our children to be okay. After the week we've just had, it shouldn't take another death to make you open your eyes. We have seen enough. Let's act on it now. Let's act on it together. And let's be better to one another. If you have a friend or colleague that you think would have enjoyed today's topic, please let them know that the show will air again on Wednesday at 6 p.m. Next week, we'll be talking about raising Black children in America. So please mark your calendars for next Monday at 6 p.m. here on Radio Africa 1804. And in the meantime, if you have any thoughts, comments, or questions about what I discussed today, please message me on Facebook at Lori Lee Camo or on Instagram at Lori Lee underscore. Thank you so much for listening.